Citizen Reporter number 281, 29th of September 2008. This is an interview with Thomas Milo about his work with Arabic script, but actually it's so much more. Stay with us. It's not we are just talking. One of the most stupid wisdoms hmm. is, oh, these are just words, we need to do something. No, we need words today. We need to talk differently. My God, what we do is always rooted in how we talk, in the sense of how we perceive a situation and so on and so on. I think cynics who think, oh, these are just words, cynics are fatally wrong here. Good afternoon, or wherever you are in the world, hello, and welcome to the program. Uh, I'm sitting with someone I haven't interviewed in about a year. Uh, at the time, it, this topic was uh, the peacekeeping mission in the late 70s in Lebanon. Today, I'm, I'm back, uh, sitting next to uh, Thomas Milo, and today we're going to talk about um, Decotype and his work with Arabic uh, script, and, um, well, it's, it's an interesting world that uh, I'll let him explain, so first of all, um, hi, Tom. Good to see you again. Yeah, good morning. Uh, <coughs> long time, no see. Yeah, indeed. But we always stay in contact, and I have noticed, of course, a lot of developments with your work. But we'll get to the developments in a moment. Why don't we start with uh, the last time we spoke, we were talking about, of course, you're, you're um, in the past, in the late 70s, you're in Lebanon. Um, how did it go in your life? How did you st- take up the task of getting into Arabic script and, and also the use of computers and... and how did it start, Decotype? I mean, uh, the Decotype as, a, as an incorporation is a late development. <coughs> we incorporated it in uh, 1985, but um, my interest in, in script was much older. Mm-hmm. And uh, I suppose I had a born-in interest in making models. Mm-hmm. And uh, how that combines is maybe... Um, uh, uh, not immediately clear, but uh, let me say that I don't make Arabic fonts, but I make models of Arabic script. And that's a word, uh, seems like a word play. Yeah, what's the big difference? Uh, uh, I mean, we all know fonts, we all work with yeah. computers, and we change yeah. our Arial to our yeah, Times exactly New Roman. Uh, <laughs> these fonts uh, fit snugly on your systems, because your systems are built to deal with Latin script. But now you're looking at Arabic, and Arabic is a is a bit is a different animal. And uh, you can domesticate an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can domesticate a pig to the to the to, to the extent that it fits in 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 in, ki- in tins. Right. <laughs> and that's maybe uh, in an irreverent way what they're doing to Arabic when they design it. The technology is not meant to deal with Arabic. Mm-hmm. The script runs the other way around for starters. Uh, but there are many uh, additional features to the script that are n- not known by the designers of the technology, and as a result, and this is this is uh, uh, by the way a, a carryover from uh, typewriters and and conventional typesetting machines. Uh, instead of designing machines for Arabic, they designed Arabic for machines. Okay, in the days of typewriters, even in the days of typewriters, yes, particularly yes, and uh, another attempt to quickly explain why, where the problem is, is that our script has been frozen uh, into a set of static forms uh, 
that are all very predictable and not context dependent. They are more yeah they're static. <laughs> we have context where we choose to use a capital. We have context where we choose to use italics, but these are not automatic uh, changes, alterations in the shape of the letters. In the case of Arabic, <coughs> letters tend to cluster into what I call letter blocks, mm -hmm. and such a cluster uh, f uh, goes into a process that likes, l looks like melting. It's a, I call it a fusion. The letters melt together into larger units, and uh, that is a very regular and 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 reliable process in, uh, you can you can see that uh, in the hands of calligraphers it was totally uh, 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 and very meticulously reg regular in the hands of middle eastern typographers it was um, only in the 19th century uh, competently re reproduced mm -hmm. and uh, as uh, 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 <coughs> As computers arrived in the 1980s, uh, 1970s of the uh, 20th century, this whole structure suddenly more or less collapsed because the designers of computers had no knowledge of the, these particular needs. They had a, a simple rule of the fist to break down Arabic script adequately based on on typewriter design, designs of uh, redesigned Arabic for typewriters, mm -hmm. and that basically became the the uh, uh, the approach for Arabic on computers. But how did you come to know this? Of course, I mean, I know you were you spent a lot of time, of course, in the Middle East. Um, I can understand that someone <coughs> who grew up there would know this problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I suppose that a lot of people in the Middle East have long known yeah. about this, felt this when they're writing on a computer or something. Yeah, well, there, there, let me uh, give you my guess for whatever it's worth. Uh, but uh, uh, the last time we spoke, we spoke about uh, the war in the Lebanon. It lasted from... Uh, uh, 76 till 2001. That coincides with the period that uh, uh, desktop publishing, computer-driven uh, desktop publishing emerged uh, that changed the face of book production and text production completely. <laughs> mm -hmm. The normal point of entry of Western ideas had been uh, Lebanon. The mm -hmm. reason is that it is, uh, 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 at least it was, and to extend it could be again a wonderful mixture of civilizations, cultures, religions, different characters, not just in an, in an alphabetical sense, but also in, in a human sense. <laughs> I, I actually saw with my own eyes how people in one neighborhood would be uh, Muslims and Armenians and uh, have frequent uh, exchanges about practical things. <coughs> and so you can see that that a Western idea is discovered by someone who has less of a threshold to go to the West and, and accept that some things are useful, and then takes it to the Middle East and then discusses with his neighbors how, how best to adapt it and, 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 and optimize it for their own uh, use. Now, that, that kind of um, uh, indigestion uh, disappeared as a result of, war, of the uh, Lebanese war. Hmm. So suddenly people stopped... Uh Yes. In all aspects of life, <coughs> interacting and... Well, the, in fact, the, the, this same Ar Armenian, for instance, was, was later hunted down by his neighbors uh, because he refused to participate in the war. Mm. Actually, he fled to the Netherlands, and uh, he, uh, I was... Uh, uh, his his, uh, his um, legal advisor asked me to, uh, <coughs> to act as a specialist in, in, the, in the court case that took place uh, 
because he was, his asylum request was rejected because, uh, according to international law, there was no war in, in the Lebanon because a war is supposed to be between states. So if two or three parts of the population take up arms, uh, get have armored cars and guns and everything, it's not a uh, war in the legal sense. You're not supposed to be fleeing from it, let alone asking asylum in another country. Hmm. And uh, then I uh, uh, <laughs> explained that... Uh, Given, in spite of the fact that it's not a war, I, as a member of the Royal Netherlands Armed Forces, was sent there to interfere uh, so that maybe something was going on after all. Mm-hmm. So I brought a map of Beirut, which was int- with great interest is inspected by one of the judges who uh, asked me which part he would have been able to see out of the window when he made an intermediate stop on the holiday trip. <laughs> and then the next thing was that uh, after some <coughs> deliberations, they decided to reject the asylum request because uh, after someone of the UN had explained that the role of the Armenians as such was not negative, that they had not been participating in the the militias that were killing each other, but they had actually managed to organize a volunteer Red Cross organization to drag the death and the wounded, the dead and the wounded from the, the battlefield. And then they came back after deliberations that having heard everything, there is no war going on. And while the war is going on, the, the Armenians played a role of Red Cross. He should have volunteered for the Red Cross and stayed in his country. And hmm. uh, just imagine on, 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 on the concept of a, <coughs> a conscientious objection, because that's what he was. He refused to take, on, uh, take up arms against his own fellow citizens. Mm-hmm. And, his fe- and other fellow citizens were chasing him down for that. And in this ridiculous situation, uh, his his asylum uh, uh, request was rejected because, um, well, he was, uh, he could have been, uh, uh, he could have acted as a conscientious objector and joined the Red Cross. And that, of course, uh, imagine in the Netherlands where we have this pro forma rule in the the moment the Cold War would have broken out, they would have hunted down all the conscientious objectors put a gun on their, on their temples and joined them to join the infant and forced them to join the infantry after all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was, it was a completely ridiculous. But this, this background uh, shows, serves to illustrate that the social chemistry in, in which uh, <coughs> a country like, uh, like Lebanon had always been the interface between the, the Orient in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a romantic sense and, and the West in a romantic sense, that interface had at least temporarily been completely uh, out of action. So in a, period, in a critical period where uh, the whole f- uh, uh, landscape of, of text production changed. Mm-hmm. The computer... Yeah. So this would have been the country, you're saying, where, where they would have been of able course to... They, yeah. Of course they would have done it. And mm-hmm. actually I, I have another uh, personal experience that I was looked up by uh, 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 Sammy Durgham, uh, uh, a member of... Uh, of, of uh, uh, a family of generations of type typesetters and book producers in in Beirut <coughs> so in the 1980s and he was uh, uh, deeply moved by what we were doing and uh, uh, he also uh, uh, well, well he, f- he understood what we were trying to do we, we were on the same wavelengths and he actually explained that uh, the kind of rubbish that was done starting to emerge because of the lack of input from the Middle East, which he was, tr- he was ha- working very hard to correct. Mm-hmm. 
he said he, he, he would have had a spanking from his dad. And the whole spanking mechanism was put out of out of order by the spanking in a literal sense right. almost that the older generation more or less guides the young generation in a certain consistency and co- call it traditional approach. This is how traditions uh, – that's an extreme form of social control, of course, your own dad spanking you for doing uh, silly things with Arabic typography. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but that's what he said about it. And, and he said that uh, also that, uh, that, well, all the people who would do that were gone. So the, Le- the Lebanese were either in Grenoble uh, studying uh, uh, electric engineering with no possibilities to go back, or they were in Cyprus, or they were in, 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 uh, in, in Boulder, Colorado, where IBM has uh, a center where they work on so-called localization, building Arabic functionality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, um, well, the, the 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 source of expertise was more more or less shattered all over the place with <laughs> with no longer uh, the old classical hierarchy that guaranteed us a, a certain amount of conservativeness. Mm-hmm. So, for you, getting involved in, in in doing work with Arabic script and and was not just filling a need. Uh, I mean, it seems like you're also saying. It was something that needed to happen for the the entire Arabic-speaking world. I mean, in terms of their well, place in the world and, and literature. Well, there is nothing really evangel- evangelical about it. Oh. Uh, no, no, I, I, I am. I, no, there was something totally different. I, I, uh, I um, uh, more or less accidentally <laughs> ended up <coughs> in Arabic linguistics. Okay. Uh, very briefly summarized, I studied Slavic languages with a, with a, with a, a deep interest in historical linguistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, uh, ostentatiously doing Russian, I was actually spending more time reading these old uh, Church Slavonic texts and, and the explanations, how they connect with Sanskrit and old Germanic, mm-hmm. <laughs> the real stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Language as, as kind of archaeology, digging into p- the past, as diachronic communication. And then I uh, uh, had to do uh, the literature side and, well, briefly uh, 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 said I was not uh, very enthusiastic for Russian literature. It's a totally different uh, emotion. The books are very thick and endless. Actually, they were were people like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky (laughs) wrote huge books because they had contracts for magazines, so they had to... To keep to, to drag out the plot forever like modern soap operas, and my mind I didn't have the mindset for that sort of stuff. So I was more interested, in fact, by brief but very acid and to, um, uh, on the ball publications in Russian about the dozens and dozens of unknown languages and peoples in the Soviet Union, which in fact was, of course, the world's major colonial empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a sidebar, it was, it was one, of, one of the great successes of communism is that, of course, they mentioned uh, they, they, well, they managed to to criticize all the major colonial empires like the French, the British, and the Dutch, uh, while uh, and, and 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 helping them to, to dis, dismantle these empires, mm-hmm. while at the same time uh, they maintained a huge colonial empire covering all of northern Eurasia, with a small. Uh, western portion with ethnic Slavs, but all the rest of the population being Turks, Fennoyugrians, um, uh, 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 Paleo-Siberic um, peoples, uh, Mongolians, you name it, 
uh, uh, Persian-related Tajiks, uh, huge, diverse, and Central Asian and essentially un-European and um, subjected population, (laughs) the majority of which was Muslim. So uh, to cut the story short, if possible, is that I... uh, I um, uh, got more interested in these things than into matters Slavic, so I turned to Turkic studies in Leiden, mm-hmm. in the Netherlands, and there um, it, w- it was imposed on me to learn Arabic. So I had to do Arabic in order to get access to Turkish. Okay. Turkic. And uh, in the end, once I had Arabic, it uh, opened again new, new horizons. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, So several stories come together here. I, uh, uh, <laughs> I volu- <coughs> in a later stage, I <coughs> volunteered for the army in order to get into that world in, uh, in, a f- in, a, in a way that gave me the opportunity to see it in a more profound way than as a tourist. <coughs> what, you <coughs> what I discovered is that the concept of hospitality which is uh, always widely admired and and, and also seen as a very strong and typical feature of the Middle East. (coughs) The warm receptions that you get, the food, the the way you're always surrounded by people and and taken into the group. Hospitality has uh, also a downside. And uh, 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 let me take an historical linguistic uh, uh, take on this. If you look at at our word guest in English or gast in Dutch, it is a cognate to the Latin word host or hostis in full, which means enemy. And why would that be the same cognate? Well, because it essentially, of course, means stranger. And, <laughs> yes. and a foreign element, an alien element, an element from, from somewhere else that you don't want to connect with. <laughs> and there are two ways to deal with an alien. You attack him or you neutralize him. In p- with peaceful means. And uh, indeed, uh, the, l- the Latin word for hospitality is constructed of the word hostis, which is enemy, and uh, the, word, the verb pitare, which means to feed. So if you, you, you're look, <laughs> you see where en- I'm, what I'm driving at? Feed your enemy. Feed your, a- feed your alien. Oh, right. <laughs> feed your alien. <laughs> or kill your alien. That's basically the option. So the alien needs to be fed or killed in order to neutralize him. And the favorite tradition uh, that we're, well, that's so famous is uh, to well, what, feed. What, what we see in the Middle East is very simple, that uh, anybody who has been uh, who's tried to roam into a distant, uh, a distant village in Anatolia or in, 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 the, in the plains of Syria in his own, on, on his own, knowing the language, because you usually do not even try to do that if you don't know the language, mm-hmm. will always find himself quickly surrounded first by the, sm- the smallest children and then gradually growing groups of larger children. He will be more or less cajoled into a place where people will invite him to sit down and then uh, inevitably coffee will be served and then food and then um, after a while your time is up and you have to go away again mm-hmm. <laughs> but basically you do not get a sec for a second a chance to uh, to uh, uh, to move around in free individuality and that is hospitality mm-hmm. and what I needed uh, being a uh, uh, a thorough individual, a very uh, <laughs> yes. a, a much an individual. I, I, I always resented the fact that I was always neutralized, neutralized <laughs> by hospitality, by um, <coughs> large groups feeding their aliens in order to 
to control them. They followed me. I even had moments that I wanted to away to take a pee and that someone followed me and uh, and asked me where I was going. I said, well, you just walk along with me. I'll show you. So I, you, I, I, I just dropped my pants where he was there and showed him what I was going to do. I thought, if you want to have control, you'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so you, that that is only also, also to illustrate that there are moments that... Uh, as an independent Dutch maverick, uh, um, social control can be a bit over the top. So I looked for al- alternatives to to travel in that world because I wanted to know it, and I became a truck driver <coughs> for that purpose. <coughs> Worked in the Middle East, uh, all over it, driving big trucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a later stage, I got the opportunity to join the army. But now connecting back to typography... Uh, when I joined I was basically a major in Turkish and not in Arabic but my gamble was that uh, with the intelligence in these days where they sent us off to Lebanon as if we we were going to a hot arid uh, desert they didn't even realize that uh, yes uh, Syria is a hot arid arid desert because Lebanon catches all the rain (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we weren't equipped for rain. <laughs> hmm. Someone thought that, had thought that. The, uh, <laughs> now, with that kind of intelligence, I thought, well, they probably discovered yeah, that you can't speak Arabic if you study Turkish. By the time I've I've caught up and know Arabic, which, <laughs> which indeed, was the case. Yeah. yes, which <laughs> indeed was the case. And in fact, on my way back, uh, I was uh, asked if I could write the manual for the Dutch army on Lebanese Arabic. And that's what I did. So I I, 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 <coughs> I was not bad at it. So I wrote the manual, and uh, I, I, I did that with the following motivation, um, apart from plain opportunism to make some money, which, by the way, you cannot blame me for, because I would have been rich ages ago instead of having all these silly adventures. <laughs> but... Uh, I uh, I had seen that uh, the conscript soldiers uh, were a nice uh, average of Dutch population with some extremely stupid and uneducated idiots, but also some extremely intelligent and motivated and and uh, uh, inquisitive personalities. And, and and these were always the guys that went to me to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And, and the the total of six months of such questions to me motivated me to write a small manual that answered these questions Mm -hmm. and also uh, dealt with another problem (coughs) that if you ask uh, someone in the Arab world to help you to learn Arabic he does something to you what what education does to him and that may be that may sound strange but in the Middle East in, in the Arab world there is a kind of a mythology almost that there is only one language and that's Arabic mm. whether you're in Morocco Mauritania or in Central Asia or in, in, in Iraq uh, uh, the answer is that there is only one language it's the language of the Quran and we all know it it's, it, it would be equivalent in Europe or let's yeah in Europe to um, to say that, uh, uh, that that a Portuguese or a Romanian would uh, answer the question which language do you speak with uh, Latin mm-hmm. 
and uh, that's true and it's not true at the same time. So everything between Portugal and Romania, and uh, for all clarity, that's Spain, Spanish, uh, various flavors of Spanish, the historical flavors of French, including the Languedoc and the Languedouille, mm-hmm. <laughs> so which is now predominant, uh, Provençal, uh, uh, the, fla- the many dialects of Italy, mm-hmm. uh, the, the dialects of Romanian, uh, uh, romance in, in, in Switzerland, and then you get this gap, and then uh, uh, <laughs> Romania. And you have ma- many different Romanian dialects historically all spread all over the Balkans. Mm-hmm. If all these people would simply ignore, uh, refuse to acknowledge that they have a, an everyday language that is dramatically different between Italian and Portuguese and between French and Romanian, <laughs> but simply claim that they were speaking Latin, That's and then okay. everybody, anybody, any any foreigner would not just met, be met with hospitality. <laughs> but also with stories uh, how to speak Latin instead of the language that they speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have a bit, uh, uh, th- then you get a sense of the total disorientation that you get when you get in- into the Arab world. And also these conscript soldiers who were there for only a couple of months, six months, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and those guys who really tried to learn the language, uh, each concrete question, how do you say this, how do you say that, was not answered in the, in the language that they spoke to each other, but in the language that was taught to them in schools. <coughs> because the schools would only acknowledge classical Arabic mm-hmm. and only teach that to them. So the, whole, the moment you, 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 were, you, were, you are putting an, an Arab speaker into the role of teacher of Arabic, he never teaches you the local dialect, his own language, but a language that was taught to him. And w- which has only limited use. Another aspect of this is <coughs> that it's a, a deeply bilingual or diglossic, uh, diglottal uh, world where uh, you have to know um, two extremes of, this, of the same language, the historical, almost mythological version on the one hand and the local one on the other hand. And mm-hmm. with this definition, you can see that, it, that it's, a, it, it ra- it, it's, a, it's like a radius. You have the sun in the center, and all the planets are rotating around it in all directions. The mm-hmm. combination of classical Arabic and Moroccan and, uh, as, extrapo- as, as poles, and then the extrapolations in between, because that's what's happening when an Arab, speak, Arab speaks. He can, uh, he can always mix in elements of his, spe- of his mother tongue and elements of his school tongue, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, these interpolations uh, can shift all the time, and from location to location, the dialect on, in the 20th century changes, where, let's say, the classical language of the 8th century doesn't change, but all the interpolations are different, mm-hmm. and that makes for a completely different um, uh, collection of speech varieties in the mind of a Lebanese or in the mind of a uh, Algerian. Mm-hmm. Uh, where there are only a few areas in these interpolations that are actually overlapping to the extent that they can speak with each other. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they have to modulate their language use all the time. To speak in the, with their regional friends, they modulate to a different extent, different variety of their language, the mix the, mix the extremes of classical and modern, mm-hmm. uh, than when they want to speak uh, <laughs> with foreigners. And depending on how far away these foreigners are from their location, the degree of modulation is less or more. And now in this, in this extreme world, I tried to make a manual that would deal with the uh, modulation of the local situation. And when you, uh, you're making the manual, you did make the manual, um, when you came back and the manual is done and you move on to other work, mm-hmm. I mean, did you find that, that everything you're telling me, was this known at the time? We're talking about 
Early 80s, late 70s? Yes. Uh, uh, and, 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 no, no, early 80s. Yeah. Okay, early yeah. 80s. I mean, when you said these things, were there uh, so-called scholars and experts and even government officials going, well, really? Or, or, or was this known? I mean, known with scholars, uh, but not with government people, okay. to a less extent. Of course, you always the, the government always uh, uh, recruits, recruits people from... <coughs> from universitary institutions who were educated with at least with a token knowledge of this fact but the real the crude reality of it it was was not really well perceived for instance we operated in southern lebanon Mm -hmm. and the distance geographically and also culturally between uh standard arabic from the main cities like cairo for where you would have your dialect. So an Arabic student, Arab student from the Netherlands, would have classical Arabic and Cairo Arabic, and then try to modulate between these. Right. <laughs> but then if you have this, this wheel and you move the other extreme of this modulation system <coughs> to southern Lebanon, you're, <laughs> you're further away linguistically from... Uh, uh, from Cairo and classical Arabic than um, um, you would be when you have knowledge of Russian and go into Serbia. Now, Russian and Serbian are related languages, but it is easier to communicate with Serbs in Russian than with South Lebanese with Cairo Egyptian. You're talking about more extreme differences between shorter distances. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, uh, all, all my colleagues who were thrown into the into the deep waters in South Lebanon as Arabic military uh, uh, interpreters were dealing <coughs> with an area where they had to improvise mm. and learn on, on the job. And probably confuse a whole lot of uh, discussions that they were supposed to translate. Or, or Of course. The, the, well, uh, in many cases, the translation was not the core business. The, f- the core business was to be seen as people who were making a serious uh, attempt and with a few months very quickly improving attempt to speak the language which by itself commanded a lot of respect so many of the uh, of 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 the tense uh, confrontations that we routinely had with infiltrators and uh, <coughs> and sometimes with with the population it could also be tense uh, were already um, um, uh, um, socially lubricated by the fact that we were doing a, a serious job and in, in trying to speak their language. By the way, that, that's not divert into, into Lebanon. I was trying to say that I wanted to give them a book that was actually useful. And useful meant that it had to have the right mix of, uh, of, of speech elements, the right terminology, and not the, not the book language, but the street language, mm-hmm. to, to come to the nearest match in, in English or Dutch. Yeah. And on the other hand, uh, given the fact that uh, uh, there is a total fixation on on, on, on the classic language, I wanted to give the book also printed Arabic so that they could sit side by side, ideally, and a Dutch soldier sitting next to a Lebanese, and they could point at, at elements on the page to understand. So the same uh, expressions were there in, in transliteration so that uh, the Dutch guy could follow the sounds from Latin letters. And in, I wanted it also to have an orthography. And orthography means spelling, and spelling of Arabic can only be done with Arabic letters. And there is where I ran into the typographical uh, tragedy. That uh, uh, it, uh, the, the, the script that I saw everywhere in, in the Middle East uh, uh, is a very powerful and expression, uh, expressive uh, graphic uh, uh, um, 
cultus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is a, it is a, 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 a spin-off of, of the pride of Islam, their calligraphical tradition. Mm-hmm. Not that everything is calligraphic, but it's all very interesting and expressive, and it f- uses a certain idiom. Uh, it is a code system. The sender and the receiver share the code, otherwise they can't read each other, and they use where all kinds of interesting little details in the script. Yeah. And none of that remained in the script that I was getting from the typesetters here. Mm-hmm. And eventually I produced a book with uh, one of these, what I call Ma- Mickey Mouse or dumbed down versions of Arabic, for the simple reason that it wasn't there, but it, <laughs> it gave me also the, the feeling that something very weird was going on, that uh, a civilization that is so well known for its script culture uh, was actually being stripped. Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, I'm really not looking at it in, in, a, in, in an, ideolo- um, uh, let's say an idealistic way. I was simply challenged to see, is this really necessary? Uh, uh, don't we have methods to improve that? And that's when early computers started to come, early computer printers started to come, and that's why ho- how I uh, found eventually, eventually the technologies that, uh, that we use now. And, and unfortunately, when, when early computers come around, I mean, it actually makes the problem worse in many ways, right? Because this, at the time, the, the, this bad script that was being passed around uh, now had an even bigger sort of theater, which was the Internet, eventually, yeah. but, but computers. This is, exa- this is exactly, this is exactly right. Uh, uh, you, you, there are weird ag- uh, arguments uh, about this that... Uh, <coughs> Some of them honest, some of them dishonest, uh, uh, for instance, that the simplification uh, uh, is un- unavoidable, uh, is in a way dishonest, because uh, computer technology doesn't require any simplification. It simply requires an accurate analysis. If, you're, if you can analyze something, you can synthesize it. Right. And if you see a computer as a huge, powerful synthesizer, however small they are, they're very powerful synthesizers, but they only work on, 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 on good analysis. Otherwise, mm. the famous Adejo uh, 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 garbage in, garbage okay. out. Okay. And I, saw, uh, I see a lot of Arabic uh, script effects, the uh, uh, result of garbage in, garbage out. Mm. Uh, Under the, the argument that, well, it's, it's much too complicated for a computer, <laughs> basically. Yes, and of course it was much too complicated for the computer programmer or for the people who were too explain it to the programmer because you, you cannot reasonably expect a person to have all the skills this is the principle of society you spread your 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 interests some people are bloody good programmers otherwise other people are bloody good linguists and there are other people who are good analysts mm-hmm. and and it's uh, uh, <coughs> the, 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 or artists actually um, uh, i'm just back from a conference about typography in st petersburg where where uh, uh uh, a person uh, uh, from the uh, Summer Institute for Linguistics uh, who make open source um, typography for all the languages in the world uh, uh, pointed out that uh, for these problems you need a cooperation uh, between uh, a designer, a linguist, and an engineer. Okay. And that's ecotype. That's what we are. That's what you have. Mm. Yeah, I'm a linguist. Uh, Miriam is a designer, and uh, our third man, uh, the programmer, he is an engineer. He is an aircraft engineer. Curiosity: Are you all? Uh, uh, I mean, 
the, for example, the engineer is is anyone from from actually from uh, raised no. born and raised in Arabic no. speaking? No, no, none of us are. are no, no, no. The, the nearest we get is that uh, uh, my wife and my brother-in-law, who who um, who oh, do. Yes. Um, are from the south of the Netherlands, which is nearer to the Arab world. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, no, 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 there's no such a thing. Uh, of course, the, uh, this co- this country up to the up to the uh, major rivers was occupied by the Spanish, re- and partly reoccupied during the War of Independence against right. the Protestant uh, <coughs> revolutionaries. And the Spanish troops, uh, one may suspect, were in fact drafted for a large part f- from Moors or. Mm-hmm. Or Andalusian uh, ex-Muslims, right. and uh, I'm sure they dropped a lot of their um, DNA in the south of the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And my mother is from the south of the Netherlands, and her family has actually, indeed, a Soliman, where actually the name Islamic names occur. They're not Muslims at all, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it, this is how uh, how you get tsunamis of armies uh, that come and go, and they, they you know they leave residue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the closest we can get there. <laughs> but this, does this uh, make it more difficult? Uh, you know, some people would say, well, I, I want my uh, information and my knowledge about uh, Arabic script from people in the, in, you know, what you said, would, would have been from Lebanon or would have been from somewhere else in, in the Middle East. Do, do doors close because of where you're from and where you live and where you do your work from? I mean, no, not really. Uh, uh, occasionally, you run into uh, what I would consider racism, uh, where yeah. you're not supposed to deal with that. And uh, I had a charming uh, encounter with racism uh, <coughs> recently when uh, we went to Doha in Qatar to teach a week on an institute, uh, the, the Virginia Commonwealth University Qatar Department. So it's an American <laughs> university yeah. where they had a design department. Uh, I and Miriam were invited to teach there, and uh, we were arrived. When we arrived, they looked a, looked a, a bit starry-eyed. Uh, what could uh, these Dutch people tell us about Arabic that we don't know already? Mm-hmm. And what what would be so interesting about it anyway? Because we're trained to deal with Latin letters, because there's no business case for Arabic. There's more folklore, mm-hmm. and halfway through. <laughs> one of these girls, because it was it was uh, f- uh, uh, it had been a girl school until recently. It's now co-ed, but all the students were girls. <laughs> but she walked up to me and said, uh, "I'm so embarrassed that I that you can teach all these things that I don't know." Mm. And I, then I said, "I, I know. I, I realize that you mean the, this in a friendly way." But let me tell you that we have a concert hall in Amsterdam, Concertgebouw, and occasionally we have uh, people from abroad who perform there. Uh, and and uh, uh, just imagine that we have a Lebanese piano player who, who does a concert on Mozart sonatas and where everybody walks out crying with emotion because he did it so well. And then, uh, just imagine what, how it would feel that the next day the newspaper would write, how embarrassing that the Lebanese had to do this. <laughs> And so what you miss here is the the concept of world civilization. This is not an Arabic thing. uh, Your your script culture is world civilization. And so is our classical music. And everybody is welcome to it. And uh, we welcome the Lebanese. And I'm sure that you welcome the Dutch. (laughs) Nice answer, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. 
And so um, I think one of my one of my last big questions, uh, just for this particular session, because this conversation will always I think, continue. Um, I met you a little over a year ago, and you were giving a, a presentation uh, on uh, Arabic script. And uh, I remember that there were different parties that you had told me were interested in what you were doing. Um, and you go to conferences in different countries and so on. But mm. one of the things I've been interested in is... Um, since, of course, September 11th, all of a sudden, especially in the United States where I was raised, everybody wants to suddenly become educated, uh, the government especially, mm -hmm. uh, about uh, uh, understanding uh, the Middle East, but also the language, the different languages. Um, is there a, an explosion in the sort of uh, interest uh, where your, your phone is ringing off the hook, although while I'm here it's not ringing, but um, from, from U.S. government or or European Union, whoever. I mean, is there an explosion in interest now that wasn't there before? Yeah, in a sense, yes. And, and, and I, uh, if, I have, <coughs> if I can <coughs> make a prediction in terms of future, uh, that uh, future historians, um, if they summarize the, um, uh, the, let's say, the Fourth World War, we had uh, World War I, which introduced uh, industrial warfare, uh, soldiers run forward and they don't have to worry uh, they will be shot down every one of them because they have machine guns on the other side mm -hmm. that then World War II uh, uh, produces uh, 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 th well the net effect of World War II is that we can go on holiday to Thailand without thinking anything of it but what happened was that they invented uh, transatlantic uh, navigation for airplanes they, to, to get streams of reinforcements Instead of shipping them, they were all torpedoed. They tried to fly the planes, and people thought it was suicidal to do that. But they invented methods, uh, uh, communication uh, systems, beacons, uh, beacons, everything you need uh, 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 to to do long distance uh, navigation, flying, and, and mass transportation of, of heavy loads. First bombs, now people. Yeah. Um, well, basically, you're flying in the spin-off of a, of a U.S. World War II bomber when yeah. you go on, on holiday in Thailand. A place where you don't belong and where you shouldn't go, mm. in a natural sense. But this is now possible. That's World War Two for you. Mm. Now, <laughs> World War Three is the Cold War, of course, oh. where um, uh, it never happened in a violent way. But it was a, it was a world war, and it it had an immense impact on 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 uh, technology. The impact was uh, mainly uh, this uh, miniaturizing of of uh, of computer systems, you could say that uh, uh, airplanes were considered obsolete. the The weapon of the future, in the weapon of World War Three, the Cold War, was the b ballistic missile, mm -hmm. preferably the preferably the uh, <laughs> in the continental <laughs> ballistic missile. You would fire couple hundred missiles with atom bombs on them and uh, they would land on the enemy and that would more or less conclude the argument mm -hmm. with one small uh, downside that the enemy would have machines that detect the incoming rockets and even if the rockets were so fast that they would wipe out the complete command and defense structure of the opponent they would still have enough automated uh, <laughs> defense or uh, uh, retaliation devices uh, operational that it would also land in the territory of the aggressor and also wipe him out and mm -hmm. that strategy 
uh, was abbreviated to MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction, MAD. Right. Now, <laughs> but in order to make these things really um, uh, c- convincing, you needed to prove to your enemy that you could hit with your intercontinental ballist- ballistic missile uh, any target, any time, any size. Mm-hmm. So that is the thinking behind the We Put a Man on the Moon program of John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So here you go. Now all of a sudden a complete industry is, 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 is turned to a ridiculous goal to put one or two men on the moon. In order to accomplish that, they have to miniaturize uh, computer systems to the, to, the, to the effect that we today have microcomputers and laptops. That, that's in a very short summary. That's yeah. that's why we got them. For. But then the other the other side is that the people who made that realize that oh oh boy oh boy, uh, we may get end up in another mad situation. That uh, they will probably also have these means to hit us on a ne- on a needle. Yeah. So we need to in in reinvent ourselves in a way that they can never wipe us out. How do you do that? Well, that became the ARPANET, the uh, Advanced Research, uh, the Defense uh, uh, Research. And, and the ARPANET became the Internet. The Internet is what we now have as the World Wide Web. So the combination of the mi- microcomputer and the World Wide Web is now, that's the outcome of the Cold War. So nobody, well, there were, there were shots fired in Vietnam and in Lebanon where I was, but the, 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 net, the residue, the historical residue of, of, the cold, of World War II was mass tourism by airplane, mm-hmm. And World War Three is mass communication by internet, and, and, and World War Four is now war on tourism or on terrorism. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it boils. Uh, in the everyday effect is, of course, war on tourism. You have to take off your shoes before you are allowed to enter a plane, <laughs> to uh-huh. trash your whiskey that you just bought. But you have, like I buy, I never travel back from the Middle East without at least one bottle of whiskey. And uh, uh, you buy that for as onboard luggage. But if you then have to change planes in Switzerland and then reboard another one for Europe uh, your luggage is is, um, is traveling on in the, in the belly of the planes and they tell you to trash your whiskey because you can no longer take more than 100 milliliter of oh. fluids on board because it's explosive mm-hmm. it's potential explosive so that's war on tourism mm-hmm. <laughs> you, 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 it, it, you Nothing. Nothing happens in the field. No. No ideologies are winning or losing. But the practical effect is mainly that travel uh, becomes very uncomfortable. And, and uh, but now, um, what I'm driving at is um, the the real long-term net effect of this uh, 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 crisis that we now have between the Middle East and uh, and Western countries. I hope will be that the quality and the and the profundity of Middle Eastern studies will will improve, because there where uh, the U.S. government uh, routinely dismissed Arab translators, and I was, for instance, a translator in the in, in the military, and dismissed because the peacekeeping operation was over in '84 mm-hmm. or '85, and uh, they were still uh, in the mindset to wipe out Russians. Uh, a tsunami of East uh, of Warsaw Pact troops. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by the way, I wasn't I wasn't a professional soldier. I was there because I knew the language. But anyway, uh, they they did not um, hang on to the expertise that uh, that uh, that you that you build up in peacekeeping operations. And as a result, as part partly that caused the 
the disaster in Srebrenica, where the Dutch, uh, igno- uh, well, in a, in, a, in, a, in a very embarrassing way, uh, uh, were humiliated by Serbs, mm-hmm. which could also have been avoided to a certain extent if they had much more la- knowledge of the local language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's the, 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 the long-term effect, and uh, <coughs> in a sense, I'm, I'm, I'm contributing to that. I did get budgets to create things that would never have been created, uh, and that contribute to the quality, uh, I hope, of Middle Eastern studies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is not—it's not true that the telephone doesn't stop ringing, uh, because. Uh, most of these things are done along bureaucratic lines and, and uh, organizational lines, and I am not a bureaucrat. I'm not in their telephone directory. Uh, only people who know who, does, who is who in, in, in the world of inventions understands. Yeah. No, oh, that's all right. Don't worry. So I'm, I'm quite well known in the community of, of people in, in, in another front line, and that's the front line of, <coughs> of development of global computing, the Unicode Consortium, the World Wide Web Consortium. Mm-hmm. These people know me, and uh, I play my minute role there. But, but what I do is known, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all the governments know this, and, and, and I, I, don't, I sometimes doubt if they're really aware of what, what's needed. Mm. So it's been a until now the last span of the last ten years slightly less has been a, an increase in interest, but at the same time it's not clear if it'll be sustained. Basically. Yes, it will. Uh, it's not clear at all. Yeah. And I think that uh, there was an initial panic at the beginning of the, of, of of this decade, the noughties, and I think that it's now becoming a routine. Uh, nobody knows where where which war is being waged. Uh, and what it is about, uh, and, and I think that also with that, the um, uh, uh, interest in Middle Eastern studies is going back into its usual slumber. Mm. It's going to be dangerous for everyone. I mean, yes. yes. All right, Thomas. Well, I'm going to stop there for today. Uh, the discussion, of course, goes on. I can recommend, um, is it decotype.eu? No, the, dot com. Oh, we dot are com. communists. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's com- commercial. Yeah. Yeah. There will be a, a text link in the post. And uh, well, I, I hope to come back and, and we'll, we'll do another uh, topic. Yeah, the decotype.com website is not very much alive, but it has some useful links, uh, particularly one to a lecture that I gave in Reading, where you can see some more of the uh, uh, visual effects that we try to, uh, to develop. Okay. All right. And thanks for inviting me. It was actually you that invited me today. So yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, we're off to coffee now. All right. I ride in this wind on my good horse. I call you my shiny black bears to the playhouse of fortune to take the bright silver and gold. Have taken from somebody else. You've been listening to citizenreporter.org, and that was an interview with Thomas Milo, a man who has done so many interesting things and continues to do interesting things with his life. We will surely hear from him again. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and for more content, other podcasts, video blogs, uh, text, you can go to citizenreporter.org. You can also leave a comment there. You can find my contact info. I appreciate you being out there. I appreciate your support. 
And until next time, take care. See ya. See ya. Yeah.
British unemployment. But we don't have unemployment during the war. If you can have full employment by killing Germans, why can't you have full employment by building hospitals, building schools, recruiting nurses, recruiting teachers? If you can find money to kill people, you can find money to help people. 